Hello and welcome to the Tech Disruptors podcast. In this podcast series, we talk with CEOs and management teams about their views on tech disruption and how it is driving their decision making and strategy. My name is Sunil Rajgopal, software analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence and independent equity research arm at Bloomberg. And I have with me Ashley Kramer, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at GitLab, a software platform that is focused on easing pain points and boosting productivity of application developers. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sunil. Thanks for having me on today. Before we get into the deep maze, application development space appears to be at the dawn of another big wave with the emergence of generative AI. What is your big take on this? Yeah, I mean, we have a really defined view when it comes to Gen AI and, and, and AI in general. So when we think about what you see happening in the market, it's very specific to a capability or a feature, something that will write code for a developer or assist them in writing code, something that will allow you to put in some prompts, um, put in some details, and it will bring you back something, let's say a poem. And so when we think about it from the GitLab standpoint, the beauty of our platform is we have been an end-to-end platform for everything you need to do to achieve software innovation success throughout the software delivery lifecycle since we were founded. And what's beautiful about that is we can now integrate capabilities across the entire platform. So help people plan their software project and put AI as part of that. Help people develop code, but then also do the test automation, integrate security all the way through deployment. And so our unique view on generative AI is it's great that it's here and it's gonna really, really boost productivity for our customers that are using us to deliver their secure software faster. Great. Diving deeper, can you explain what role GitLab plays in the software development and operations value chain? And where do you see it going, if if you could describe it in a very general terms? Yeah, sure. So, so as I mentioned before, um, the software delivery lifecycle includes everything from planning projects, building it, testing it, securing it, um, all the way through deploying, and then, of course, maintaining and monitoring. And so where we play is we are the most comprehensive AI-powered DevSecOps platform. And what that means is over time, um, we've seen this evolution. We've seen everything from within R&D teams, there's a bunch of different disjointed dev tools, sec tools, op tools. Then over time, we saw it evolve to be, you know, there's a selection, a menu for teams to use. Then we saw people try to build their own platform. And all of those have breaking points. It's hard to collaborate. It's hard to track progress. You actually have to have people on your team maintaining those integrations. They can be brittle. They can break down. And so what we do is we seamlessly provide that platform so you can take those people that were involved in trying to maintain stitching together disjointed tools and maintaining that integration, and you can actually put them on your software innovation. You can put them on delivering features to your customers and leave the heavy heavy lifting to us because we have that end-to-end platform. Where I see it going is we are at this point 
In the DevSecOps cycle, we've seen Forrester launch a report. We were a, a leader in that. We've seen Gartner launch their first report this year, and we were a leader in that category. So what we see next is adding on even more, adding on service desk capabilities, adding on ML ops capabilities. So continuing to bring together all operations that are necessary to deliver software faster as, as part of your R&D processes. And so we see the platform that we have expanding and all of these different capabilities as we move um, forward. You have transitioned from deeply technical roles to becoming a product and technology propeller. Can you share a bit about your journey into GitLab and your role as chief marketing and strategy officer? Yeah, sure. So I have had a very unique background. I started in early days as as a software engineer and a software engineering manager because I was a computer science major uh, when I was in college. And then I pivoted over to the product side, which was still valuable that I had that technical knowledge. I think it probably makes people a better product manager if they can actually understand more deeply the pain points of engineers that they're working with and, and planning and doing the requirements for. Um, from there, I started working a little bit more on messaging. I started, um, you know, diving into the messaging side of the products and the platforms that I was building, and um, and in fact, in one role prior to being at GitLab, I was actually a buyer of GitLab. Um, I was at a company where I was SVP of product and had part of engineering and marketing as well. And I bought GitLab to really solve some major pain points. And so, what that evolved to was down the road a role at GitLab that is not just chief marketing officer, um, which which is great because I've been a developer, so I understand the pain points of the people that we're selling to and we're trying to solve problems for. And I've been a technology executive, so I understand those pain points. But then also on the strategy side, helping with the, with the rest of our e-group, with the rest of the GitLab team members, understanding where customers are today. I talk to customers every day, many customers a week understanding where they are today and where they want to be in one year, in three years. And I've been there having been a GitLab customer. And so that's the other part of my role is deeply understanding the needs of our customers and making sure we're building in the direction that they would like us to go. And that will really, really support their business outcomes. Reflecting back on your opening remarks on around AI, a lot is changing in the technology space, especially since the launch of ChatGPT. Can you talk us through about how you are using new AI capabilities within GitLab? Yeah, so ChatGPT specifically, we do not use within GitLab um, simply because we are not using anything within our organization or putting anything into our platform where IP can possibly be shared, be shared to train and tune other models, um, et cetera. And so the way that we approach it is privacy first. We want to make sure that our customers' private IP stays exactly that, their private IP. We're also not tying ourselves to one model or one model vendor. And so we've partnered with um, a lot of the different model vendors that have our same viewpoint. We like to think of it as a best-in-class model approach. So use case by use case, we will select for the customer the best model for that use case that will keep their IP private. And um, in the future, we'll expand that. Um, you know, I've talked to customers that one day they think down the road, if we figure out the, the GPU um, 
scenario that we're in now, maybe they'll want some of their own. Maybe they'll want to select. And so we've we've specifically built the foundation where we can give optionality in the future. But the way we're building it right now is privacy first. We will pick the best-in-class model. And as I mentioned before, we're not just going to have one code suggestion type capability, which we have in beta today and we'll release in our December release, um, but stitched throughout the software development lifecycle, all of the different steps, we will have AI incorporated. What you just said draws my attention to AI-led productivity gains. And I have a three-part question on this. First, how do you see productivity measurement evolving in the age of AI? This is a really, really common question that I get asked. And and specifically because GitLab is a single platform, we have one data repository so we can track what's happening within different teams, within different stages of the development lifecycle. We have something that are uh, basically dashboards that we call value stream analytics to help both team leads, executives, individual developers understand productivity. But productivity has become a loaded word with AI. And so the way we think about it is actually we break it down into three different areas. We, We call it the three T's. And so the first is the task. Is whatever AI you're using in our platform Um, making you more efficient when it comes to specific tasks. An example, of course, would be actually just writing the code. The second one is, is it making the team more successful? Uh, Is the team able to hand off their code to another team member and, and know exactly who should review that code? That's something we've actually had in the platform for years now called suggested reviewers. So are we also making the team more productive. And then the last one, um, which we have Dora metrics as part of, of our offering, our offering is time. Are we saving time? Are we allowing you to increase and have faster cycle time? We, we've already proven in GitLab via customers, even prior to AI, that we can produce 7x faster. We want to get to 10x with um, with customers using AI throughout the platform. And so we also break down... Um, is there time gains? So so just to summarize, we look at it from a task, from a team, and from a time perspective. And that's how we're talking to customers about really measuring robust productivity using our platform plus the AI incorporated. Right. From what you just said, what challenges might companies face in implementing this shift? Well, it's, you know, productivity is an interesting thing. It's it's hard when you think, let's let's take the task and let's take the code generation piece. It's really hard to know everybody is in their own IDE, is writing the code. It's sort of word of mouth right now. It's, you know, I can say, oh yeah, I think this is making me 30% more productive. That's me. Maybe the person sitting next to me is saying, oh, it's making me 70% more effective. And it's it's kind of when it comes to those individual capabilities, person by person, what we see a trend in is probably more of the junior developers will really found, find value in something like that. Somebody like a more senior developer might really love using our GitLab Duo chat experience where they can just highlight a piece of code and say, you know what, explain this to me. There's a lot of legacy code in here. Please uh, explain this for me. And so that's productivity gains as well. So I think time will tell how we can really capture these robust metrics, but it's a it's a moving target right now just because um, 
when you have Dora metrics, those are those are one way of looking at it and one way that's pretty well established. But when you have individual task and team productivity, that's something I think we will continue to see evolving and something that um, I'm really excited to see um, to see change over time as we integrate more and more features into our platform around AI. Keeping with the AI theme, beyond increasing the speed and quantity of software developed, how can AI tools contribute to improving software quality? Yeah, I mean, so from a from a quality perspective, something we're focusing on is helping people with their testing, automated testing, unit testing, things that often probably get skipped or maybe not done in full. The other one that's really powerful um, in GitLab is we've had integrated security as part of our platform for a long time. And so we see it as something we call shift left, which is developers often would write their code, finish it, have to throw it over the wall to some security tool and team. And then they say, oh, there's a problem, throw it back over. We actually integrate security earlier in the process. We make it part of the development process. And where AI presents the opportunity, a giant opportunity, is that we can actually help them now do things like detect vulnerabilities, explain this vulnerability, help me solve how to never have this vulnerability again and mitigate it in the future for the other teams, for the other developers as well. So I see it as making not just software be produced in a faster and more efficient way, but absolutely at higher quality and much more secure. Right. Maybe shifting gears to product competition and macro. You are on the two-year mark at GitLab. Can you unpack the big ticket changes since then, both in terms of marketing function and strategic direction of the company? Yeah, first and foremost, when I first started at the company, we did a rebrand. Um, we were calling ourselves a DevOps platform, but we already had integrated security. We had all of this power around security within the platform. So we rebranded as the most comprehensive AI DevSecOps platform. And I think over the years, we've really seen that resonate. We've seen the analyst firms that I mentioned earlier, Gartner and Forrester, start to ask more questions about this in their in their waves and in their MQs. And then we expanded even further. So just recently, we announced a SKU for energize, uh, enterprise agile planning. And um, that's been a really big hit with customers because now that pulls more people into the platform. So now product managers can be deeply integrated. They can be doing all of their plan capabilities right there in the platform. We also have, as I mentioned before, the value stream analytics. So the executives can come in and say, all right, how are my teams performing? Do a little bit about uh, around compliance uh, in, in auditing and really understand how to help the team be more successful. And then the final one that I'm really excited about um, that we've we've been able to achieve both in in product and in messaging is something called GitLab Dedicated. So we've always had multi-tenant SaaS and we've always held had self-managed. But after talking to customers over the years, what the product team found was that there's one piece missing that's a really giant opportunity because we sell to highly regulated and large enterprises. And that is single-tenant SaaS. So those customers historically would be on self-managed. I was just talking to a major airline last week, and um, the CTO told me, you know, I have four people that are managing and maintaining the the GitLab self-managed 
experience. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to move to GitLab dedicated. I'm going to take those four people and put them on delivering our software innovation to our customers. And so that's a really unique differentiator for us. And that's a really powerful piece of our end-to-end platform deployment story in that we have self-managed, single-tenant SaaS, and multi-tenant SaaS. And um, then where I see us going forward is really helping our buyers, which are typically the software executives, uh, understand the efficiency gains, the ROI. So we really started leaning into telling our story through customers. We have a really great Lockheed Martin story out there. Uh, we just launched one from Ally Financial and really helping other customers understand the value they're missing out on the efficiency gains through the customer lens. Um, and so that's something I'm really excited for. And as I mentioned earlier, then down the road, on top of incorporating AI, which we've just been talking about before, um, we can add things like service desk capabilities, model ops, and just bring more and more people involved in delivering software into one platform to collaborate, to test, to secure, and to get that software to their customers. I definitely want to come back to that uh, service desk-related question. But uh, before that, as a CMO and a head of strategy, what are your ambitions uh, for the company from a three- to five-year horizon? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to help customers across the world continue seeing value and efficiency with faster cycle time using our platform. And so what's really excited me most is, is actually happening this year, which is the really um, the really big hype, which was earlier around AI, AI, that now we're actually turning into, we could call it, you know, rapid experimentation has been happening with the different capabilities from our, our competitors and from us. But now we're really starting to see customers step back and truly understand the use cases they can achieve, the efficiency gains. We know, you know, at least going into this next year, a lot of companies, most companies are still going to be asked to do more with less. Don't slow down, continue delivering software, but maybe you're not going to get the same headcount or the same budget. And to me, my answer to them is that's great. That that's what GitLab can help you achieve. You can you can do more with less with our platform. And so where I see us going over the next three to five years is, is helping customers achieve exactly that. And as we hear more from them on what more they need, what other tools they don't want to use anymore as part of their R&D practices and processes, we'll continue integrating, incorporating those capabilities. And of course, continuing um, to have partners as a big part of our story, particularly when it comes to adoption and services and making sure customers are implementing, expanding, adopting successfully. DevOps or DevSecOps space uh, continues to be marked with open source source platforms, custom solutions, many commercial point solutions, and full-stack platforms like GitLab. How do you break break down the market between these different segments, and what shifts are we seeing between those buckets? Yeah, I mean, I I see... Four different buckets, actually. I see one where it's sort of a bring your own tool, 
tools all over the place. This happens often when companies acquire companies um, and they don't consolidate into the same tool set. And you kind of just have wild west of DevSecOps tools. So that's kind of camp one. And I I see people consolidating fast and furiously on that because the easiest way to save money on um, on vendor costs, licensing costs is right there. The second camp I mentioned earlier, which is build your own platform. So we're going to hire some people internally to take the tools and stitch them together and make it our own platform. Brittle integrations, lack of collaboration, security um, issues are seen in that bucket. The third bucket is a DevOps or a DevSecOps platform that is closed off, that is closed source. And then where we fall is the final camp, which is a DevSecOps platform, which is open core. And what open core means essentially is um, part of our part of our code is proprietary code and, and, and we own that, but we open up a lot of the core pieces to the wider community, to the wider world, to our customer base, to develop with us. And so we have um, a lot of what we call contributors sitting in um, our customers' um, R&D teams, and they're actually building the GitLab platform to be exactly what their team needs, merging merging that code with us, and we're able to deliver that to other customers. And so that's where I see the future, and we've been built that way. We started as an open source project in 2011. We've been built that way from the beginning, and that makes me really excited as a CMO because there's no better way to deliver innovation faster to our customers than to have contributors across the world developing with us. Citizen developer motion continues to be a big topic in the DevOps space and with what is happening in the artificial intelligence or machine intelligence space and particularly with Gen AI. As a CMO, how big of an opportunity is that for GitLab? I think it's a great opportunity. I think um, this really helps, as I mentioned before, some of the more junior developers be more successful faster. But I, I don't think it's actually just limited to that. I think it helps people coming into a new company or a new project to do things like understand the project. We summarize this issue, it's called. And so instead of reading 40 pages of the historical context of what's being built, we'll summarize that. We'll summarize comments within the code. We'll explain code for people. And so um, I see the citizen developer opportunity, obviously, to be great, but also I see all of the other capabilities helping all of the different personas involved in the software delivery lifecycle to be very successful. And when it comes to more of the citizen developer, the one thing you want to make sure of is high quality, secure software. And so all of those other features that we've integrated with AI as part of it will make sure that they're not just writing more code, they're actually writing better code and hopefully learning across the way. But we we ran a DevSecOps survey this year. Uh, we do it every year. Um, and we found um, in, in, AI, in an AI study, and we found that the majority of people say that they're only writing code 25% of the time. So we want to help them. We want to help those citizen or even, you know, very senior developers be successful in that 25% of the time. We also want to help them in the other 75% of the time where they're reviewing code, they're writing test automation or writing tests where they're integrating security. They're making sure after the software is deployed, um, it's it's running properly. It's successful, and so that to me is a major opportunity. And 
and really will open up the world to to have more people develop secure software faster. Right. Maybe if we can touch a little bit about the macro setup, this phase of the market with a tough macro setup could make marketers' job like you quite challenging, especially in a product-led company that has seed-based revenue model. How is that impacting your strategy, product, and market motion? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it's all about being creative. It's all about um, you know what you can do in a repeatable way, understanding your segments and the motions that work. So for instance, our SMB segment, we want to have targeted content to the developer. We want them to get into a trial. We want to make sure they're successful. Um, not even having to talk to a salesperson, most developers, you could probably argue, don't want that. And just make them really successful in a repeatable way. It's all about optimization. It's all about finding the right channels, gaining efficiency. When it comes to more of the enterprise sale, the the upper mid-market sale, it's all about really, to me, telling the story, as I said before, via other customers, getting customers together, having them talk to each other. Um, you know, we... We found over time that a CISO, for example, which who who we sell to as well because of our deep security capabilities, they probably don't want my team, the marketing team reaching out. They're probably not going to read an email we send. They're probably not going to spend a lot of time on something like that. What they will do is probably come to an event and a roundtable with our CISO, Josh, who joined earlier this year. And have a really deep conversation. It doesn't even have to be about GitLab. It doesn't always have to be a sales call. It can just be about here are the challenges we're seeing and these are the ways we're thinking about solving them. And of course, we'll host them. But you can you can do a lot of these different things. So for, for me, it's all about creativity in how we're getting the message out in how once we're in an account, we're really helping them be successful. And so... That's how we're thinking about it is let's not continue to just throw more dollars at the problem. Let's figure out how to optimize what's working, um, gain efficiencies in every area we can. And our ultimate goal is to make customers across the world more successful when they're delivering their software. Let's turn our attention to competition. I know you earlier mentioned about expanding into service desk capabilities Maybe before that, in your conversations uh, with customers, what product area do they want GitLab to enhance or move into? Well, right now, of course, all the buzz is around AI. And so most of the conversations um, are around that. They were really, really excited. We've always had enterprise agile planning capabilities within our platform, but they're really excited, particularly with Atlassian announcing the end of life in February 2024 of Jira servers and, and more. They're really excited um, to leverage those capabilities and have an option now to bring more of the product managers, program managers into the platform. I hear a lot now about model ops. There's a lot of companies that are are focusing on building models and and understanding how to integrate that with the R&D efforts and the overall processes is something that they're really interested in. And then we continue to make 
the areas that we really stand out, like GitLab dedicated, like our integrated security features, more and more powerful, more and more robust, expanding capabilities based on when we talk to customers and the challenges that they still would like to solve, whether it's getting rid of another tool, whether it's implementing something new within their process. Um, and so that is something that um, that's something that I find really exciting. And with our value stream analytics, with those end dashboards that people can look at, it's been really easy for them to go convince other people within their organization that may, are maybe in love with that competitive tool what they can actually achieve because we have all of all of the analytics right there for them because we're a single platform capturing everything that's happening within the process in one data repository that is specific to that company and that organization. Right. When we touched about uh, service desk capabilities, and I think uh, in your last conference call also, there was a mention about a large-scale customer that, that was ported out of uh, Atlassian. So talk us a little bit about what initiatives are you taking in terms of service desk capabilities and uh, how is how is that going to shape your competition with the likes of uh, ServiceNow and also Atlassian? Yeah, I mean, when we think about it, we think about it from a perspective of what are our customers asking for? Uh, do I ever think a customer is going to completely abandon a service now and move over to GitLab? No, probably not. And that, that's not what we're aiming to achieve. Uh, achieve. I think that would be a not the right strategy. What we're looking for in some cases and what they're looking for is we're just not happy with this. We So we think of it as not a replacement, but displace, whether it's certain capabilities, whether it's the full functionality of, let's say, the planning capabilities, whether it's service desk ticketing. And so we're not thinking that we're going to, you know, go in and take over these entire customer bases in their end-to-end use cases of, of the two vendors that you just described. But because a lot of customers are using GitLab so successfully, they want to integrate more of those capabilities. So we think of it as a displacement. And it's probably similar to if you think about how people moved to the cloud back in the day. The ones that lifted and shifted and just threw everything into the cloud, they're all coming back now and actually refactoring to go back to the cloud. They're actually using GitLab to do that because that's not the right approach. So it's not a lift from this vendor and shift it into GitLab. It's a understand how to modernize our processes and how we do it and build it given the capabilities are now available or will be available in the GitLab platform. Right. Maybe one technical area that I want to talk about is binary repository management. How does GitLab stack up on that front? And uh, what is your plans to enhance those capabilities? Yeah, it's something particularly when I go into the highly regulated that they are very passionate about. We have a, a lot of features today that are that are being used and we actually have a lot in the works that's um the the compliance security around that and the management specifically around that um comes up very, very often, probably more even with our chief product officer who has uh, a deep background in that. And so from that perspective, uh, we see that as a really big opportunity. We're continuing to lean into more robust capabilities and features about it. We actually list it. Uh, we have a public handbook with our plans um, that we make transparent to customers because we believe that they should have visibility to our roadmap. 
and open issues on what else that they would like to see. And that's a big area we're focusing on and a big differentiator for us. Microsoft or GitHub is uh, bringing in a lot of AI-led features. And I know GitLab is also working on a, on a lot of them. And there are other players uh, in the market who continue to be interested in getting into DevOps. How does GitLab differentiate itself against all these players? So from a perspective, the one that you named, um, you know, that's that's pretty focused and, and they've, they've self-proclaimed this as a, a developer platform. So they're building AI capabilities for the developer. That's only part of the process. Some of the other... Um, we'll call them point solutions, same thing. They're achieving one part of the software delivery cycle or a few parts. And so when you try to bring that all together, you have the same thing that you have when you try to build your own DevSecOps platform. You have disjointed tools. You don't have one single source of truth when it comes to um, the processes that are happening, how people are using everything throughout the different stages, because they're all in the, the AI capabilities and the tracking is all in the different point solutions. So the really, really big opportunity for GitLab is that we have this seamless end-to-end platform that has that single data repository. So now as we integrate more AI, it's all captured in one place. We can make people even more efficient because whether you're planning the project, actually writing the code, securing it, testing it, and getting it out to market, all of that is being captured in one end-to-end place. And so for us, the AI hype this year and and the leaning into AI we, is really, really powerful. We're really well positioned. And as I mentioned earlier, we've been integrating. We started with SCM, of course. We integrated CI way back in the day, uh, 2012, 2013, then integrated everything, the security, then integrated. So we are built at our core. We are architected at our core to do this for every single step. Having said that, you don't have to. I like to make it clear to customers, you don't have to take our platform and on day one, get rid of every single point solution. You can integrate it. We have APIs everywhere. We're an open core platform. You can, I I would actually recommend, don't boil the ocean. Start with the most powerful two use cases, expand over time, and we'll help them do that. But we're really, really well positioned, particularly because of the huge lean into AI that's happened, particularly this year. From what we discussed, security appears to be a key focus area for GitLab. How big of an opportunity is that and what it will drive in terms of revenue or scaling up of revenues. Anything you can talk about that? Yeah, from our perspective, I can't speak um, directly to revenue, but from our perspective, we saw in the world um, probably more this year than than ever, breaches happening everywhere. Security is top of mind. Security is a board level topic for every company. And it's a must have, particularly for enterprises and highly regulated. And so from our perspective, it's a really it's it's a big selling point for us that you know we're gonna create all of these opportunities for your team to be more efficient, to collaborate better together, but they're going to do it in a secure way. Um, and that can be, you know, some of our bigger 
compliance features. That could be the fact that we shift left and integrate security as part of the process. That's also our platform as a whole. We use GitLab to build GitLab. And so we need to make sure, of course, everything we're doing is secure and building in all of those capabilities we need. Then we deliver that to customers. We had a customer earlier this year that did a test of us against some of our major competitors. And even when it starts at just the first SCM stage, they told us by far, we, I think we beat, they had a point system by 100 points, the most secure SCM, which means then we have the most secure CICD, the most secure deployment model. And so for us, it's you know a giant part of the reason that these enterprises are choosing us. And it's a really big opportunity. Um, lots, we have three selling tiers. We have a free tier, mostly for individuals. We have a premium tier that starts to get teams started and then ultimate for the enterprise. And we're really seeing pickup, um, as we announced in our last earnings call, of ultimate usage, customers, um, you know, new bookings around ultimate, growth of ultimate. And so that's another indicator to us that the giant opportunity uh, we have because of our integrated security and compliance features. Before we move on to our last section, I am intrigued to understand how marketers go about their decision-making on the allocation of marketing dollars between new customer acquisition versus retention efforts and that for maximizing existing relationships. How do you strategize on that? Yes, we balance it. Uh, we had a great new CRO start in July, Chris Weber, and um, you know he and I work, of course, with our CFO and with with our CEO, and sort of look at the different landscape and the opportunity we have. Obviously, a core part of marketing's job is always to bring in new interested prospects, and that can be new prospects that are at a net new logo that we've never had as part of the GitLab customer base. Or that can be the growth pipeline. We're at a giant bank and we're only in two departments and, and we got the interest of another one. And now we can introduce the departments and continue to adopt and grow and expand within that account. And so we look at it every year going into it and we we split the way we look at it into how much we call it first order sales accepted opportunities. Do we need to get to our sales team from a both net new logo then a growth within current accounts. And then something that I really lean into that I think is really important is all around the attribution model. So do we understand where marketing has influence? Do we understand where we're having the most, how we can optimize uh, that approach, how we can make more efficient, particularly what's working, but also what's not working. And so I have an analytics background and, and my team knows this. Um, I, I come from Tableau. And so data is only one way to look at it, but it's a really powerful way to understand how we can influence and help that sales team get those customers to be successful in the sales process, obviously convert them into a paying customer. And so we don't have an exact science in split, but it's something that we look at together as part of our strategy. We're actually doing it right now for next year. Um, and then we, um, we get our targets and, and we, uh, we hope to achieve them year over year. Right. I understand you cannot talk much about the split between these different buckets, but uh, can you talk us through about how that has evolved over the years and where is it headed? Is this shift happening more towards existing relationships or is it still dominated by new customers? 
I think for for where we are, which is two plus years post going public, um, the natural thing that that we've been working on as a as a marketing leadership team is how to help more in customer marketing. So we'll always have those targets to bring in new logos, as I said before. But we're really excited about the opportunity to lean more into customer marketing. It it just quite frankly is easier um, to expand in a current account, of course. You know, they're already a customer. Hopefully we've shown them great partnership, which we hear time and time again from our customers that, you know, we don't sell and run to the next customer. We stay there. We help them implement. We'll give them services if they need it to be successful. We'll help them understand how to integrate new use cases. And historically, marketing's participated in that, um, but we really want to have a bigger role in that going forward. And so I would say the split as I mentioned before, is an exact science, but we really are excited about the opportunity next year to help our field team, our sales team, um, via our our different marketing mechanisms to make current customers more successful so they continue expanding, they continue seeing that great ROI, and they continue being a, a happy, successful customer. Great. With that, we come to our Last section, which I call as final three, you can okay. give your answers in one-liners. Oh boy! So, All right. Three questions. Uh, one: What are the top three technology topics that are discussed today amid uh, chief marketing officers of product-led companies like yours and uh, customers? This is an easy one because I was at a CMO dinner just last night in San Francisco. AI is number one. Efficiency is number two, and security is number three because of AI. We have to make sure what we're doing is not being shared with the world. Right. That was easy. So the second one, what is the one thing that gets you excited in the technology space today? I'm super excited for us to figure out how to stop just rapidly experimenting with AI and how to really start integrating it with guardrails um, in a careful way, understanding exactly how it's being used, but to drive major efficiencies across not just software development everywhere, within marketing, within finance. I'm really excited for the opportunity ahead around AI. All right. That brings to our final question. What piece of technology worries you or where you think you are doing more reading these days? I'm definitely reading up on the differences and nuances from all of the large language models that exist from the different providers, uh, understanding the changing terms, the ever-evolving landscape. To me, it's really, really important that we have a full grasp on what's out there, what's changing, what's new that we can leverage, and we have the foundation built that we can go from model to model. Our number one focus, my number one focus, is to make sure we are privacy first with the best-in-class model to make our customers successful and keep their IP private to them. Excellent. Ashley, thank you very much for coming onto our podcast. You have provided really unique insights on AI and potential pace of disruption. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity.